Over the course of nine years, my father, Stephen, son of Robert and Lillian, memorized over 90 quotes that he recites daily. In each podcast, a quote is randomly picked out of a hat and then discussed. Many of the quotes relate in one way or the other to the dreams course that Stephen is currently teaching. Welcome back to the Dreams Course Podcast. I'm Michael, son of Judith and Stephen. I'm Stephen, son of Robert and Lillian. We're still doing the intro. It's, uh, it's like, I feel like if I don't do the intro, something's wrong. It's about ceremony. It's, oh, it's ceremony. C- yeah. Ceremony, because you told me you originally did it, you had no nothing in mind. So what's been absolutely just done randomly now has become ceremony. Yeah. Like when you go surfing, they say you you start surfing the minute you leave your house. <laughs> you get into the headset of going surfing while you're driving to the car. You're thinking about the waves. You're thinking about paddling in. So that's what we're doing. That's good. I like that. All right. So uh, I've got a hat. I've got quotes. I've got new quotes. New quotes. And uh, so new quotes. Well, I keep writing new quotes all the time. I'm reading... The book uh, that we talked about, Sri um, Hiragadatta. How do you pronounce that name? I think <laughs> the key is not knowing. Yeah, it doesn't matter actually. Actually, it doesn't matter one bit. I'm just going to call him. I'm going to call him my guru. My guru. Yeah. He's just so remarkable, and I'm learning a lot. And I end up writing down quotes. And the one that I sent to you last night, I just. It, it's it changed me more than any quote I've read in many years. Suddenly, because suddenly I had an understanding of the role between the mind and the body and the self, which is the spirit. And you know, it just was like a revelation, feeling it. Because I think it's so easy to get confused. You know, when you talk about the mind and the self and the ego and the body, and they're all like jumbled around in the brain. And where are they? What's their relationship to one another? And uh, I just felt clarity from it. That's cool. Um, I'm taking up French. I'm learning French. <laughs> no, you, no, no, are you really? no, I, I, no, I swear I've done 24 days in a row so far. Well, let's hear something. No, <laughs> uh, pardon. Bonjour, comment ça va? Hmm. Um, Bien. Je m'appelle Stéphane. Et tu? <laughs> Moi bien. Moi bien. <laughs> Mon bien. Mon bien. Mon bien. You know, so today I was learning greetings and I got a little confused on them. But um, I only do it for 10 minutes a day. But it gets back to your learning thing. It does take repetition in the, the app. And I... I I love the uh, name of the company. It's Duolingo, and it's an app. And, you know, I studied French. I've always thought French was the most beautiful language. Italian is also beautiful. Spanish is beautiful. Um, German is not beautiful. Russian is not beautiful. English is not beautiful. But French is. So I guess I fantasize myself speaking French at a cafe with a hat tipped off to the side. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Cricking cafe lattes and <laughs> you know making comments on literature and Bonjour. psychology. Bonjour, Bonjour. Um, uh, t- Tango Stevia 
for me latte. <laughs> and then finally, tu parles anglais. You know, finally it gets down back to English. But I fantasize myself there with it. And it also, I think it's good for the brain. I think it makes the brain work a little bit. Yeah. So I challenge you to take up a language. I w- I'm going to learn Spanish. You are? So yes. then we'll, okay, 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 that's, a- that's cool. It's, it, by the way, it's a super app. I mean, it's so simple and it's actually fun. I've used it. I've used Duolingo. You don't act like you're, you know, like you've been through all the language apps. You know, you've you've got a whole review going. I've dated a few girls that speak different <laughs> languages, and I always go to Duolingo, like when I think the relationship's working, and then because I'm like, oh, you know, this is gonna really work out, and then I'll surprise her with <laughs> the fact that I can speak her language now, and then and then the relationship starts to fall apart, and that's the first app that gets deleted. <laughs> So you've you've had the app, lost the app, had the app, lost oh, like the four app. or five times. Well, I think it's the wrong language. Have you had any any connections with uh, people that speak French? Yeah, really. You've 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 had conversations with someone from France. Oh, have I had conversations? Well, yeah, no, no, no. Oh, no, so I, you okay. Know. No, but until you can have a French conversation with a person in Paris, uh, you know, that's the goal. I mean, it should be, I think, but that's me. Yeah, that's your goal. Okay. So anyway, uh, ready to reach into the hat? Yes, please. Okay, here we go. Reaching in. What will come up? All right. I have one. (laughs) All right. Oh, this is by one of my guys I like, and I like this quote a lot. It's by Sam Harris, and um, I'm also doing his app. I'm kind of, you know, apped out pretty soon. His quote is, meditation is the practice of breaking identification with thought. Meditation is the practice of breaking identification with thought. Sam Harris. Again, this gets back to we, you know, if you're any kind of a progressive new age spiritual seeker type of person, we've all heard about meditation and we've all heard about the word the mind and, you know, what is the the idea is to quiet the mind. I didn't know why I'm quieting the mind, but I meant to quiet the mind and I've had a horribly not quiet mind most of my life. You know, just, you know, just all sorts of goings on in the mind. And this quote and listening to his app, I thought was brilliant because it's telling you what the actual purpose is. It's it's trying to not get you to not have thoughts. It's trying to get you to recognize your thoughts as not identifying with your thoughts. Not let the thoughts come up, but don't be lost in the thought and get lost in the thought. And then, you know, he'll say, if you, if you're no longer in, you know, if, if you, if you lose the moment, you're, you're not paying attention to your breath, just come back to it. And I realized that that's one of the hardest things to do is not to react to what comes up in consciousness, but just to see it, to be the watcher. And, Mm -hmm. and by doing that, 
You're not giving energy to thought. You're not giving, a, which is just thought. It's nothing, it doesn't mean anything. It's a waste of time, except for the way it affects the body negatively, because the body, as we've discussed, lives in the present, and the mind lives in the past and the future. So if the mind brings all sorts of crazy nonsense to the dance, the body experiences that nonsense, that danger, that fear, in real time. It experiences it because of the thought that that entered your, your mind. So here it comes Mr. Harris to say, now we're trying to break identification. Not that you won't have them, but you're not identifying, which really is an introduction to the concept of the watcher. But before we get to that, let me hear your response to the to the quote. Well, thank you. I was having the thought that was going through my head was, when's this guy going to stop talking? <laughs> I had caffeine. You know, I had caffeine. I'm ca- caffeine. <laughs> you know, when you're studying French, you know, you're you're taking a lot of caffeine, a lot of espresso, and that kind of thing. <laughs> so I apologize with my French beret. Uh, tell me what you think. Well, I I. I recognize a lot about it that makes sense um thoughts can be positive as well but thoughts thoughts can be like clouds or they can be like swords you know they can thoughts drift in and out and they can also cut and cut deep so if you're obsessing over something you're having this sort of you're in the ruts of your thoughts and they're just digging digging it's like wheels getting um, stuck deeper into mud or sand. And in that regard, connecting or identifying with your thoughts is not actually helping you at all. Um, but thoughts can also be very positive or they can be very beautiful. So sometimes, you know, thoughts are quite nice and they come out of nowhere. They drift in and you're like, whoa, that, where'd that come from? That was kind of cool. But I think, like, to get it to what Sam Harris is saying is this idea of the gaps between thoughts, the stillness that comes from when you don't identify with those thoughts, then suddenly you are receptive to that sense of space or that sense of quiet that comes from just being and sitting and being okay with that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's a lot there. The ego doesn't want you to be quiet because it's afraid you'll then hear the voices of the spirit. And then the poor ego, where's it going to go? So it's doing a lot of work to keep us um, busy with it. And, um, and I've found most of my life that to stay still is not easy. Um, it's like if I stay too still, I'm going to disappear. <laughs> is that a bad thing? Uh, these days no but in the world we're living in not at all but um, this really leads to a little bit of the conversation we began all this stuff the meditation the mind the self the ego that's what I'm obsessed with these days that's where I'm trying to grow and become more mature and and um, embrace kind of the the newness of thought. And so I find all this very challenging, but I'm totally into it. All right, let's hear where you got to go. 
Okay, so going back to the idea of the relationship between the mind and the body and the self, self being your original real self, and the body being the body and the mind being this thing that is a go-between, except uh, as I was reading in I Am, I Am, the mind is identified with the body. That's the identification that Sam Harris is talking about. The mind, the thoughts that come from the mind are all directed to the body existence and none to the spirit or very few, very little. Um, dreams show you more of your spirit life than you get usually out of the mind. And why is that important? Because the ultimate idea is for the mind to serve the self, not the body. Not to put fear and concern and worry and everything out in the future. Not to put that into the game, not in the body. Respect the body. Listen to the body. It's brilliant. It's miraculous. It's, what it does chemically is unbelievable. The unconscious thinks 30,000 times faster than the conscious mind. It's an amazing universe, the body. But my idea that I came, because we've talked about the six foods of the spirit, being you know, to breathe deeply and often, find beauty in each day, um, choose creativity, when you, or make creativity a choice when you're making decisions. Um, give in to gratitude, dwell in gratitude, serve others through, serve the self through others, and um, and last of all, laugh often and hard and keep laughing. And I thought for a second that the way to train the mind so it's not just wild and woolly and uncontrollable like wild mustangs. The way to do it is for it to serve the six beauties, for it put it to work under f discovering each day the, uh, something beautiful, putting your energy into the breathing, being more creative, being more in gratitude, being serving others. And if the mind is being in service to the six beauties, to the six foods, it doesn't have time to be messing around with the body. It's serving the self. Since those are the foods of the self, then the mind is coming up with the creative ideas and helping fulfill those six things. So my course, my whole course is going to be is based on changing the framework of the mind, giving it, uh, giving it uh, a goal and purpose to serve the self. So that's kind of the big framework that I'm in these days. I like it. I I, I think there's there's room for love though. I mean, in that sounds cheesy or cliche to say, but I think your body can love your mind. I think your spirit can love your mind. I think your mind can love your body or your spirit. You know, I think this is a relationship between the three that is about harmony, about balance. And so when one starts to become a dominant actor, so your mind is dominating your mind, uh, your body or your spirit or, or vice versa, then you're out of harmony, then you're out of balance. When you unify the three in a sense of uh, holistic approach, then they're all serving, they're working in conjunction with each other to serve something higher than, you know, your individual 
life, but you're, you know, you serve the self, the capital S self, right? Yeah. And that's the, that's the self is what unites us with everybody else and every living being and all energy. So I think, I think there's room for love in saying that the mind and thoughts, they serve a, they serve a function, they serve a, a, a role and they're, they're wonderful until they get out of hand until they get into that dominating aspect. Yeah, I find love to be dangerous. Well, how do you define love? I have no idea. Well, <clears throat> I know in the quote um, from the, the monologue from American Beauty at the end, or I mean in uh, Goodwill Hunting, and he says about that, he says um, to Will, the psychiatrist Robin Williams says, something to the effect of, um, and you don't know anything about true loss because true loss is when you love something more than yourself. Mm. And you've never done that. He says that to Will. You've never loved something more than yourself. I think the, the human being love story is really hard because humans are so complex and they bring negative and positive to the dance. And I think it takes years of a relationship before you can turn and say, I love you. I love Judith. I love Judith, my wife. And we've gone through all sorts of stages in our marriage. We've been married a long time. But I love her because I appreciate her. And she's been a partner through everything. And the idea of not having her in my life is just unthinkable. That's how I feel. And that's the closest thing I feel to love. That and my dog, Greta. I love Greta. Does your list end there, though? Really? Two things? <laughs> well, I should say something about you, but... No, I don't care about me. I'm, I'm just talking about you don't look out the window and you go, I love the trees, oh, I love oh, I the see. clouds, yes. I love this house, I love this, uh, you know, car when you're driving your car. I, yeah. There's, I, I see what you're saying. I was, I was making the personal love story. Well, that's because you're, you're a human with a small mind. <laughs> You were going, oh, I got to define it through the human experience. <laughs> oh, you know, you're too bitter to be at this age. <laughs> I, what I'm bitter about is I'm waiting around for... Yeah, the p people to catch up. For more of our civilization <laughs> to see a bigger picture than the smallness of our tiny, tiny little blimp blip of uh, an existence on this planet the only thing you can really do and it's a mammoth task is to work on yourself and it sounds like a cliche but when you go to try to do it and to change nonsense and crap about yourself that you no longer need learning to let go is no small easy task i find it very very difficult and challenging and i think that's why most people don't turn go to the inner journey in my course, I only want the people that want to go to the inner journey and go through it and understand that it's going to be challenging. But if you can get through it and get to some point, some point near yourself, your, your, your efforts out in the world to establish beauty and peace and better awareness is small, but it's a contribution. Hmm. Here's an idea about thoughts and... And this also relates to something that your teacher, Alex, asked you one time, which is how many times do you say, I love you in a day? 
I say it a lot to Greta. <laughs> but every once in a while, I surprise myself with Judith, and out of the blue, we can say to her, I love you. Like when we're not doing anything, not like, you know, it's Valentine's Day or some nonsense like that. When you're taking a bite out of blueberry ice cream, don't you say I love you? <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Okay. I love, you mean up, up in Maine, the blueberry espresso combo that I'm 100% addicted to. Okay, yes, and then I do love that. Now, I do and love you that. and you tend to eat that ice cream with a a very particular spoon, like a spoon that maybe you've had in your life for a small, yeah, like forty a small years spoon. or fifty years or something. Oh no, they're they're like from the twenties or nineteen twenties. So they're hundred year old spoon. Don't you say I love you, spoon? I say if I don't see it, I miss it. I I I can't imagine life without that spoon. Okay, so there's love there. Definitely love appreciation for it. By the way, those are long iced tea spoons. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I'm just saying that for those people on a diet, the spoon is smaller, so you're not eating as much, <laughs> or at least you you think you're not, unless you're eating the blueberry. Hundred bites later. Espresso ice cream, <laughs> and then one thousand bites later, <laughs> and you're saying, "I wonder if I can get to a hundred thousand tonight." Yeah, but um, no, they're they're wonderful. Why don't we take one more pass at the quote? And then, you know, kind of call it, call it a day. Okay, and, and what I, I just want to say, what I meant in bringing that up was that, you know, throughout the course of your day, as that observer or the watcher, pay attention to how many of your thoughts are positive versus how many of your mm. thoughts are negative. I like that. The brain, uh, I talked to a, a, a neurologist once who had written a book about this, and they said the brain is essentially negative because it's looking out for danger. Yeah. So it, it, one of the reasons I do the quotes every day is to counter the negative characteristic of the brain with positive quotes so I give it a balance. Saying, saying the positive quotes every day, the mantras, which is what we do in the class, that helps to counter that ne that negative because there are a lot of negatives and if you can if we can just watch the negatives and not react or do action on based on them um i think we're better off unless yeah i think you're better off this to me meditation is the practice of breaking identification with thought is a opening to a different world and i find it the quote totally exciting very difficult to achieve, but worthy to achieve. And the worthiness is to build the watcher inside, the watcher who sees it all but who doesn't react to it all. Right, I exactly. Wanna, yeah, exactly. And, I think, and I think your points, by the way, I'm really glad you said the, some of the things you said about love because that's really true. Like when you're walking and the spring is breaking out here, and just see the flowers and the stuff, you go, that's beautiful, I love that. It's pleasurable, it's fulfilling in some way, in the small moments as well as the big relationship stuff. Mm. If we can break away from identifying with our thoughts, then, then and you get into that sort of watcher kind of character, then, then you're no different than someone laying on their back in a field watching the clouds pass over or so at night watching the stars. 
and you you don't identify with those clouds. When you see a cloud, you don't go, that's me. You just go, oh, that's a nice cloud, or that's a cloud, or that's a, that's a dark cloud, or whatever. But you observe it. And, well, yeah. and I think in that meditation uh, space that you want to try to get to is you just go, okay, that's a thought. Now it drifts away. And then ultimately to try to still the mind enough that you can get to those gaps where I've heard that it's in the gaps between thoughts is where the collective unconscious or the divine or the universe or God or whatever you want to define it can pour into your soul. Yeah, a lot there to say. Um, There's meditations out there that do that. Uh, I've tried it where it's essentially to rest in this spot between thoughts. And I think the idea there is to encourage the length of rest to be more than less and so there are less thoughts. Um, But it's one of the thousand approaches to meditation. But ultimately, I think it's got to be the quote. It's got to be the practice of breaking identification with thought. You're not the thought. You're not the thought. I just got a good idea. What? Duolingo that teaches you the language that you learn is silence. (laughs) Well, we could make that. We could do that very easily ourselves. Just come on and be quiet for 30 minutes. (laughs) It's like like Duolingo teaching you the many vocabulary words of of silence. Silence. I think there's a contradiction in there somewhere. Oh, no, there's different types of silence. So you're going to pitch to Duolingo. Yes. The the idea of everyone speaks a language. What about the language? Here's one. How about the language of the inner self? (laughs) Duolingo teaching the inner, how to travel in the inner self. Or everyone, let's breathe through our noses for 15, you know, but all done in cartoon characters. Uh Uh I like it. (laughs) All right. Well, I think we've reached the, the very end. We'll do this again soon. All right, let's get on the app. Let's get on the silence app. All good. The Dreams Course is a one-on-one program done through phone calls with Stephen using dream interpretation and reading Herman Hesse's Damien. If you would like to contact Stephen, please visit the Dreams Course website at thedreamscourse.org or email him at thedreamscourse at yahoo.com. Again, that is thedreamscourse.org or email him at thedreamscourse at yahoo.com. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and come back for the next episode. We have many, many more quotes to get to. Thank you.